divisional weekend is officially in the books and championship sunday is now upon us welcome back to the 49 away podcast i'm your host jay sahoda lots to get to on today's episode the final four is finally set and we will break down all four of those teams and preview the matchups ahead of championship sunday but before we get to that we'll recap the divisional round and talk about how those four games went and we will congratulate robert sala on his new head coaching gig that's all on tap on this episode and of course don't forget to give the 49er way a follow on instagram for more 49ers news and analysis So before I get into all the good stuff on today's episode, I kind of want to just point out a nice fun fact here. Today is January 19th. A year ago today, the 49ers won the NFC Championship against the Green Bay Packers 37-20. I mean, I, I cannot believe that that was a year ago today. I mean, I still feel like it was yesterday that Raheem Mostert ran for 220 yards and, you know, it was was the really the envy. He finally burst onto the scene. Garoppolo hardly had to do anything, and the Niners were hoisting the George S. Hallis Trophy in the middle of Levi Stadium, and there's confetti falling, and it was honestly just a, a dream come true to see the 49ers be able to do that, go on to the Super Bowl. I every single person that's connected to the 49ers organization was on cloud nine at this point in time. It's it's just crazy to think how quickly time passes it really truly does feel like it was yesterday but yeah there was a lot of other nfc championship games that were also one year today and you'll see that all over social media but the 49ers one year ago today became nfc champions and of course their reign is now over and there will be a new nfc champion crowned on sunday but i thought i'd get that out there and just a little nostalgia over there but the niners nfc championship one year ago today Having said that, let's get to Robert Sala. Congratulations to Robert Sala, 49ers defensive coordinator. Of course, no longer 49ers defensive coordinator. He became the head coach of the New York Jets last week. He sent a five-year deal. I could not be happier for Robert Sala. I really am. I'm so thrilled. He's a great person, a great leader. He changes cultures. He was a huge huge part in changing the 49ers organization around he came in in 2017 with Lynch and Shanahan took over a 2-14 and team Sala of course will be taking over a 2-14 and Jets team now as well and Sala was a huge part in changing around this defense and he came in in 2017 took over a defense that was completely Swiss cheese we were garbage in 2016 took over 2017 we got a little better 2018 we got a little better 2019 we were the best defense in all of football and then this year this past season what he was able to do with so many guys down hardly you know did not have Nick Bosa for majority of the season and still managed to keep this team top 10 was incredible incredible job and I think that's really why he got the job this year instead of last year for what he was able to do with all the adversity but he should have got a job last year I don't care we got an extra year of Robert Zala I'm not complaining but you know every anyone affiliated with the San Francisco 49ers is just so ecstatic and happy for Robert Sala but Robert Sala is not going alone to New York he is taking a few of the 49ers coaching staff with him to New York he will be taking Mike LaFleur who is the pass game coordinator and he will also be taking John Benton, who is the offensive line coach to New York. 
great for them. LaFleur was a huge part in the 49ers coaching staff. He is the brother of Matt LaFleur, head coach of the Green Bay Packers. But all those guys played a huge role in the 49ers coaching staff and changing them around. And I wish them all the best of luck in New York. I think they're going to do great things in New York. And the Jets, I said it in a few episodes ago when I was breaking down all the head coaching vacancies. I said the the Jets need a culture sh- a culture shock and a culture change more than any other team in the NFL. They haven't been a playoff team in a decade. Robert Sala is the right guy to do it. I think anyone associated with the 49ers will tell you that. In New York, you guys did good with this one. You hired a good person, great guy. And personally, I've never cared about the New York Jets in my lifetime. I have no reason to care. Now I have reason to care, and I will definitely be rooting for the Jets on the side. It's not going to be an easy task, and it's not going to change overnight, but I would trust Robert Sala and this coaching staff. I really do. But because there are some guys that left for New York, there are some openings on the 49ers coaching staff. The new defensive coordinator was chosen last week. Of course, actually, this he was probably chosen a year ago. Kyle Shanahan planned for this. He knew Robert Sala was going to leave, so he planned this in advance. D'Amico Ryans got promoted to the defensive coordinator. He was the linebacker coach formerly. I love this move. You're keeping the continuity. And D'Amico Ryans worked with the linebackers. And if you see how Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Aziz Alshire have been playing, that's a direct reflection on D'Amico Ryans because he's been working with them closely for the past three, four years. It's it's amazing what he's been, especially with Fred Warner becoming an all-pro in just you know two, three seasons and see his growth. But Robert Sala's gotten a lot of the credit, but D'Amico Ryans worked with those linebackers, and the way that our linebackers play is top tier in the NFL. Fred Warner's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. It's, you know, D'Amico Ryans, I I trust him. I really do. And I think that we are going to be capable of becoming a top 10 defense, and he could do that. Actually, actually, what the heck? Not could. We will be a top 10 defense. We will be a top 10 defense with D'Amico Ryans as a defensive coordinator. Absolutely. But I'm glad. I think it's a good move. I think our defense is going to do great things for years to come. Mike McDaniel, who was previously our run game coordinator, has now been promoted to our offensive coordinator. I know in a lot of teams, the offensive coordinators call the plays. Kyle Shanahan will still be calling the plays. What this means is that Mike McDaniel will have a more, a bigger role when it comes to preparing the offensive game plan going forward. So looking forward to that. Can't wait to see what happens there. I think Mike McDaniel is an amazing mind and he's going to take this offense to new heights. And I really hope that he's able to do that as well. On the offensive line, the 49ers promoted Chris Forrester, who worked with Trent Williams in Washington back when Williams was with Washington. Forrester has been with the 49ers the past few years. I think that's great. Also keeping continuity. And the 49ers will also be return or Rick Scangarello, who was the 49ers quarterback coach in 2017 and 2018, will be returning as the 49ers quarterback coach next season. He left in 2019 to take over the Denver Broncos offensive coordinator job. He was with the Eagles in 2020. And now he'll be returning as the quarterback coach. I love it. Great continuity. The quarterbacks know him. I don't think it'll be the same quarterback room as last year, but Rick Scangarello did a really nice job, and I'm looking forward to see what he does going forward. But I love what Kyle Shanahan did here. He knew that he was going to lose Salah and some guys. He planned for this ahead of time, keeps the continuity. Kyle Shanahan, just a great leader, a great head coach, and I, I trust in all these moves in the coaching staff, and I think that we'll be able to be just fine next year. Now it's on to free agency. Let's see what happens. I think some guys might follow Salah to New York, but 
we'll see what happens. But I hope we're able, just the way that we were able to keep a lot of the coaching staff together, I hope we're able to do the same in free agency as well. But best of luck to Robert Sala and LaFleur, Benton, all of those guys in New York. They're going to do great things. Can't wait to see what he's able to do in 2021. And now to the divisional weekend recap, and we'll start with the first game on Saturday. The Green Bay Packers hosted the LA Rams. Of course, everyone talked about the best defense against the number one ranked offense and Sean McVay against Matt LaFleur, the first matchup they had. And this game, I, I mean, it was close for a good amount of time until the Packers were just too much for the Rams to handle. And the Packers won this game 32-18. to Again, it was it was close. for It was a one-score game in the beginning of that fourth quarter, late in that third quarter. And so Green Bay just ended up, it was that Lazard touchdown that just really just was the crushing blow to the LA Rams. But... I think the the significant look in this game was the fact that the Rams defense, they didn't do anything to impact this game. And that was what the Rams needed to do to have a chance of winning this game. I said previously on last week's episode, I said, the Rams need to run the football and win with defense. If you can keep Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines, you got a chance to win games. The Rams had zero sacks and no turnovers. Zero sacks. You look at the stat sheet, Aaron Donald's name doesn't show up once. I don't know, maybe maybe the ribs were, were impacting his game or not, but this is Aaron Donald we're talking about. Like he is even when he's a little bit hurt, he is still hard to stop. You know what this game reminded me of when I when I watched the Packers offense go to work, especially in the first half, and I saw a lot of these quick throws outside and Aaron Rodgers with a quick release and the ground game was going and stopping Aaron Donald. This game reminded me of week six when the 49ers beat the Rams on primetime and it was the exact same game plan. Quick throws outside, quick releases, screen passes, running the ball, except in this game... Aaron Rodgers was the difference maker. The 49ers won that football game. But Aaron Rodgers was able to throw the ball downfield in this game. Jimmy Garoppolo was hindered by an ankle in that game. But again, another similarity between those two games. The Niners offensive line was fantastic. Aaron Donald was a no-show in that game. Same goes in this one. I thought not having David Bakhtiari was going to impact the Packers in this game. It really didn't show forth. And the Rams have arguably the best defense left in the postseason. And the Packers O-line just shut them down. And more importantly in this game, Green Bay dominated time of possession. 36 minutes to 23 minutes. The more Aaron Rodgers on the football field, the least likelihood that you're going to have a shot at winning this game. Green Bay was phenomenal. This offense went to work. Aaron Rodgers, 23 for 36, 296 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Aaron Rodgers is just playing at such a high level. I mean, it seems like almost like every other year he's having a great year, but this year just seems different. And I feel like a lot of people are getting that feeling too, and this is why he's the top candidate for MVP this year. There's something different about Aaron Rodgers' game that's just different about any other year. It's kind of like that Super Bowl run back in 2010. It's just there's something different about Aaron Rodgers. It's just the way that he's playing and the way that he's throwing, his confidence level. And you all know, when Aaron Rodgers' confidence level is high, it is it is not 
it is not a good thing. Of course, we all remember the whole running the table thing back in 2016. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a, is a, is a bad man to quote Stephen A. Smith. He's a bad man. And he did it again. And now for the first time in his career, they're hosting a game at Lambeau Field. And you know what was what was crazy? The one rushing touchdown Aaron Rodgers had was just incredible. I was like, look at this 37-year-old go to work like that. The pump fake and then runs around the defender and just, you know, jogs into the end zone. I was like, this is, this is vintage Aaron Rodgers going to work right now. And when he's playing like that, oh, Lord, good luck. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams did this ground game. Matt LaFleur had this ground game going. And this is another way that I'm like, I said this last week too. Oh, actually, I said this for the Rams, not the Packers. I said the Rams have the same formula as the Niners. But in fact, this was a reversal. The Packers had the same formula. Aaron Jones, 14 carries, 99 yards and a touchdown. Jamal Williams, 12 carries, 65 yards. The ground game went to work. And if the Packers, I know... Everyone talks a lot about complementary football, but when you have good complementary football, offense, defense, and then on offense, you got the run game going and then the pass game going, you're just going to be a hard team to beat. And that's what the Green Bay Packers are doing right now. The, the ground game was going, and then Devontae Adams did his thing, nine catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. But more importantly, which has been the storyline all year, who's going to be that wide receiver too? And Alan Lazard, four catches, 96 yards, one touchdown. He had that big touchdown at the end that really was... The, the knockout punch in that game. Packers offense. I mean, this they are way better than we thought at the beginning of the year, 100%. And they look scary. As for the LA Rams, Jared Goff came in, obviously, with the injured thumb. He played better than, than we thought. 21 for 27, 174 yards, a touchdown, no picks. He didn't turn the ball over. He kept them in it. But I just don't think that defense gave them enough opportunities to end up coming out and really give them a shot to upset the Packers. Not having Cooper Cup, I think, really changed this game. I mean, they didn't have much of... I know Van Jefferson made somewhat of an impact. Six catches, 46 yards, and a touchdown. Robert Woods, a little bit. Josh Reynolds, a little bit. The guy Cam Akers going on the ground game. 18 carries, 90 yards, and a touchdown. But not having Cooper Cup, I think, really impacted the pass game. And for that, the Rams just could not get it done. And the Packers' offense was just too much to handle. Look at the key headlines in this game. The Rams defense, they were just nowhere to be seen. They did nothing to impact this game. And if you're going to do nothing to impact the kind of team that the Green Bay Packers are, you're not going to have a chance of winning this game. And I think at the end of the day, that's that's what's going to happen at the end of this thing. If you're not, if you you can't stop Aaron Rodgers and keep him off the field, good luck winning this game. But I think that was really the significant thing in this game is the fact that the Rams did nothing to stop Aaron Rodgers, and that was huge. The Packers look unbeatable. They're playing at such a high level. And with that, the LA Rams are going home, and like I just said, the Green Bay Packers are going to be hosting their first NFC Championship game with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. Unbelievable. I did not know that. When I heard that, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And then I looked it up, and I'm like, holy crap, it's true. Aaron Rodgers has never hosted an NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. That is ridiculous. And it's finally going to happen. It's madness that it took till 2021 for that to happen. But it happened. And for the first time in 07, they will be playing at Lambeau with the right to go to the Super Bowl. And this is the second straight NFC Championship game for the Green Bay Packers. Can't wait. Going to be a good one. Aaron Rodgers, this is it for him. This is truly it. The Buffalo Bills, speaking of this is it, the Buffalo Bills 
got to host their second straight playoff game at home. The crowd was electric. The atmosphere was amazing. The weather was just cold and windy, and it was a, it was exactly what you want a Buffalo playoff game to look like. It was just a mess, and that's exactly what this game was. It was a mess. The Bills won it 17-3, completely shut down the Ravens' run game. And it's funny because the score does not look pretty. It was an ugly score. It was an ugly game. But the Ravens did very similar things that the Indianapolis Colts did a week ago. The Ravens had more first downs than the Bills. They had more third downs than the Bills. They rushed the ball way better than the Bills. 150 yards rushing the Bills only had 32 yards for a whole half. We didn't even know if Buffalo's run game existed. I don't even think I don't even think Brian Dable called a single like run game like run play. I think he I think he called like two rushing plays the entire first half and one of them was a kneel down at the end of the half. I don't even think he remembered that Devin Singletary was even on the team. I don't know what the heck was going on there. But the Ravens had their run game going kind of the Bills defense just really stifled them. But I think this game is just proof that you can't be one-dimensional. And the Ravens were one-dimensional. They stuck to their roots. They tried to run the football. But at some point, the Bills knew that they were going to run the football and they put a stop to it. The Ravens did nothing to change that in the past game. And that is ultimately was the deciding factor. The The Baltimore Ravens had 120 yards more than the Bills total. The Ravens had 340 total yards. The Bills only had 220 the, see, the Ravens won in almost every st- statistical category, but they couldn't get the job done because that Ravens or that Bills defense was so, so good. Bills defense had four sacks, and the, the big play in this game that really changed the whole dynamic was that 101 yard pick six. Ravens score, it's a one score game, and instead, it was a pick six. And the Bills ended up sealing the deal. Taron Johnson took it to the house. And the Ravens also had a few missed snaps. And more importantly, Justin Tucker, the most accurate kicker in the league, doinked two field goals. I mean, the only thing that I can take out of that is that is the ultimate home field advantage. Sure, there's COVID and and you can't have a packed house full of fans. But those fans made an impact. But that weather, that Buffalo gusty, windy, disgusting, cold weather made a factor, played a factor in that game and sent the Baltimore Ravens packing. The Ravens, again, like I talked about statistical categories, they dominated time of possession, 35 minutes to 24 minutes. This is exactly what the Ravens wanted, but they scored three points. That is, that's just, they just did not take advantage of their opportunities and they could not convert in the passing game. And if you can't convert in the passing game, it's not going to get you much. Lamar Jackson, 14 for 24, 162 yards, no touchdown passes, and one interception, 34 rushing yards. He left the game with a concussion. Tyler Huntley, who has never played an NFL snap, had to come in in the fourth quarter. I got to give it to the kid. He didn't do that bad. Gus Edwards and Josh Dobbins, or J.K. Dobbins. Oh, wow. J.K. Dobbins. They both rushed for 10 carries for 42 yards in that game. It was just a, a, a an amazing job by the Bills defense. They stuffed, they stifled the Ravens running game and the Ravens were one dimensional all night long. Hollywood Brown was the only guy who made an impact in the receiving game, four catches for 87 yards. 
And that was it. I mean, you, you look at the Bills offense. Josh Allen, 23 for 37, 206 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Josh Allen didn't need to do much. He just needed to get it to Stephon Diggs. Eight catches, 106 yards, and a touchdown. The Bills had no run game, 32 yards. John Brown made some plays, but Taron Johnson made the play of the night for the Buffalo Bills. The Bills didn't do a lot on offense. They didn't have a lot of time of possession either. But Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, those two guys are going to be the keys in next week's AFC Championship game because they won that game against the Colts and they came up clutch again in this game against Baltimore. But this defense, shout out to Leslie Frazier, defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. That was a masterpiece, shutting down that Ravens rush game, run game that has been a well-oiled machine the past six weeks. That was a hell of a performance by the Buffalo Bills defense. But when you're looking at this game in summary, the Bills defense just put the clamps down on the Ravens run game. Like it was, it was a really, really good effort by that Bills defense. I think you, you kind of saw it. the Ravens first two, three plays were positive run plays. And you're like, oh man, this is looking like a really nice drive by Baltimore right now. And then the doinked field goal happened and it was all downhill from there. Allen and Diggs can't say enough. These two are just playing at a ridiculously high level. And now you got to go up against and play against the phenomenal trio of Kelsey Mahomes and Hill at Arrowhead. But yeah, the Ravens missed opportunities. They missed two field goals. It's a, it's a tough one for the Baltimore Ravens to swallow and John Harbaugh, but they got a lot to fix on next year. I think they'll be able to build on winning a playoff game at least, so they move it in the right direction, but they got a lot to work on, including improving that pass game significantly. But as for the Buffalo Bills, moving on to their first AFC Championship game since 1994. I mean... It's incredible. It's incredible what the Buffalo Bills are doing, what Sean McDermott's doing, what this whole team is doing. Absolutely awesome. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Amazing stuff. Can't wait to see them next Sunday night. Huge game. Biggest game in Buffalo Bills football in years. So who will the Buffalo Bills be playing in the AFC Championship game? The Kansas City Chiefs took on the Cleveland Browns in the other AFC Divisional game and Man, what a wild ride this game was. This game was really the tale of two halves. You had in the first half, it was all Kansas City. They were dominating. All the momentum was in their favor. They led 19-3. to It was all Kansas City. Mahomes was balling. The defense was balling. The run game was going. It was, it was like there, there was no shot for Cleveland in this game. Baker was playing good. But the Browns just could not take advantage of opportunities. It was looking like it was all Kansas City years to be Chiefs, Bills, the AFC Championship game. Until the second half. That's when things changed. First possession, Baker throws a pick. And you're like, oh, that's it. It's game, set, match. But the Chiefs came up empty on that drive. Browns ended up going down and scoring a touchdown. And all of a sudden, it's a, it is a tight game now. All of a sudden, it's a one-score one game. And you're thinking, oh, this is the Browns have a shot. Then things get even more interesting when Patrick Mahomes leaves with an injury. My prayers are up. I hope Patrick Mahomes is all right. You know, it looked the hit didn't directly look like it was a head-to-head hit, which it wasn't. It was it wasn't even a concussion. They said he left with a concussion, but in fact, it was a pinched nerve in his neck that was what made him all dizzy. So it was a scary sight, and I'm and I looks like he is okay, and I'm glad he's all right. But it knocked him out of the game. And man, I'm pretty sure all Kansas City Chiefs fans, all football fans really just held their breath for a second. It was like, whoa, like that's a scary sight. And that's, that's Patrick Mahomes we're talking about. And as annoying as I find the Kansas City Chiefs, 
I never want to see that happen to anyone, especially not Patrick Mahomes and the talent that he is. So Mahomes leaves the game, and you're thinking, oh my God, the, the momentum's with Cleveland right now. Like this, this could be it. The Browns have a chance. Chad Henney enters the game, 13-year veteran, comes in this game and throws an interception on the second possession, and you're like, oh my, it just felt more and more real that, oh my God, Cleveland, Cleveland has a chance to, to pull this off. They, they really do. Oh, but then Cleveland, Cleveland messed up so big in the second half. It's fourth and nine. You have one timeout and the Browns punted the football. And that just made me so irritated because I've, I've said it on past episodes and I'll say it again and I'll say it even talking about next week's game in the AFC championship to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You have to be aggressive and with one timeout left, I don't care if Patrick Mahomes isn't in the game. And I feel like that's what Kevin Stefanski was thinking about. That, oh, Mahomes isn't in the game. I think we'll be able to get the ball back. But dude, your defense hasn't been able to stop anybody all afternoon. So like, what makes you think that just because Mahomes isn't there, you're undermining Andy Reid and this high-powered Chiefs offense? Because guess what? The Browns didn't end up getting the ball back and they ended up losing the game. You had it, fourth and nine. You have one timeout, four minutes left. Just go for it. You have nothing to lose. Worst case, you hold them to a field goal, which they've been doing all afternoon, really. And it's still a one-possession game. Browns didn't do that. And it just it hurt them. They had a chance. Chiefs got the ball back. It's third and 14. The Browns are thinking, all right, here we go. And Chad Henney. Chad Henney, 13-year veteran. Hardly anyone knows his name. He's been in the league for literally 13 years. He was a brief starter in Miami for a little bit. And Chad Henney comes in on 3rd and 14 and makes the play of his life for a backup quarterback. It just showed toughness. I mean, it really did. What an effort by Chad Henney. They ended up converting on 4th and inches and in the shotgun, which shocked Tony Romo, which was hilarious. But I wasn't that surprised. I mean, this is Andy Reid. Of course, anybody's going to do something gutsy. That's just that's just who he is. That's who Eric Bieniemy is. They're a gutsy offense. They're a gutsy coaching staff. And it paid off. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. What a game by the Kansas City Chiefs. What a game. They won this game 22-17. No Patrick Mahomes in the second half. What I look at in this game, this was a gutless performance by the Kansas City Chiefs. I have said previously, you know, I don't like the Chiefs, obviously. I find them annoying. I got nothing against them, really. I don't hate them. They're an unbelievably good football team. Super, super talented. So good. They just, they're just they just so good in everything that, that they do. But yeah, they're annoying because they're so good. And it's the same way people hate the Patriots, right? When Tom Brady was there. It's like, oh, they're always winning all the time. That's why I'm annoyed by the Chiefs because they, they got everything good. Now, I certainly would never want to see Patrick Mahomes get hurt. That was tough to watch. Scary sight. I'm glad he's okay. And I hope he's able to play next Sunday. I really do. I want to see him against Josh Allen. But this was a moment where I looked at it. I was like, oh, the, the Chiefs are finally facing some adversity here. And what did I learn about the Kansas City Chiefs? Everyone gives Patrick Mahomes all the credit. This team is still elite. And Patrick Mahomes is just so good that he elevates everyone around him. But Tyree Kill, elite. Travis Kelsey, elite. This defense, elite. This is just an elite football team, and it's not just Patrick Mahomes. That is what I learned in this football game. Tyree Kill went for over 100. Travis Kelsey went for over 100. And when Patrick Mahomes left that game, I could see Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey going to Chad Henney and be like, listen, man, you get the ball into our hands, and we'll take care of business. And that is exactly what they did. I respect the hell out of that. As for the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield had a great day, 23 for 37. He had that one turnover later on. 
He had the touchdown pass, but just wasn't enough in the end. And what really killed the Browns was that fumble in the end zone that turned into a touchback from Rashard Higgins. Ugh, that was a tough, tough blow for the Cleveland Browns. But the Chiefs were able to run the football. Daryl Williams, I didn't even know who this guy was until in the middle of this game. 13 carries, 78 yards, you know, making plays on the ground game. But what a game. Kansas City, with no Mahomes in the second half, they rally around Chad Henney. Makes the play of his life. Shout out to Chad Henney. 13 years in the making. What a play. Will always be remembered for that play. But what a game. And the Kansas City Chiefs move on to their third straight AFC Championship game. The first time since the 49ers did it from 2011 to 2013. That a team has made three straight conference championship games. Andy Reid also led the Philadelphia Eagles back in the early 2000s to four straight conference title games. What a career for Andy Reid. And the Chiefs are moving on to the AFC title game to take on the Buffalo Bills. That should be a fantastic game. But I'm going to take the next few seconds to just congratulate the Cleveland Browns. What a season. I mean, Kevin Stefanski, it's a runaway that he's coach of the year. I mean, they won their, their, won their, first, they won their first playoff game. Kevin Stefanski wasn't even there. It's an unbelievable season. 11-5. Baker Mayfield, phenomenal season. That run game with Chubb and Hunt, incredible. The defense needs to get better. They, they did not have a very good game on Sunday. But the Cleveland Browns have a very bright future ahead of them. Congratulations to the Cleveland Browns. They achieved more in this season than they have in the past two decades. Incredible. And it's not every day that we can sit here and say, the future is bright in Cleveland. But there you have it there. Great season for the Browns. One game left on Divisional Weekend. And of course, it's the one that everyone's talking about. Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, Part 3. Tampa Bay versus New Orleans, third time meeting this year. The Saints, we all know, destroyed Tampa Bay in the first two meetings, especially the second one back in Week 9. And this was a game that was evenly matched throughout. For a good amount of this game, the score was 20-20, to and it was a tie game. It was back and forth. Both teams had 21st downs. Both teams had a very similar amount of third downs. The Saints had six. The Bucks had eight. The Buccaneers ran the football better. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette had a really, really good day. Fournette ran the ball for 63. Jones ran the ball for 62. Even though he was injured, too, he still balled out. Saints only ran the ball for 104. And the passing yards wasn't as potent as we thought it would be from two teams who love offense. The Buccaneers only threw the ball for 189. The Saints... Only 190, one more yard than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. Total yards, also very similar, 316, 294. Time of possession, also similar, 31 minutes for Tampa, 28 for the Saints. This was a very evenly matched game as we thought it would. But where this game got out of hand was the turnovers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers kept the ball in their possession. They were clean all evening long, zero turnovers. Brady almost turned it over twice, but did not. And the New Orleans Saints turned the ball over. Not one, not two, not three. Four times. That'll do it. Four turnovers, that ain't going to do it. The Buccaneers defense was sensational. I just admire the fact. This is what I love about this game and, and this Buccaneers defense. Was the adjustment by Todd Bowles in this defense. You guys got embarrassed and got your butts absolutely kicked back in week nine. I previously said back in week nine that that Saints defensive performance in that game back in week nine was one of the best defensive performances you will see all season. And it was, and I still stick by that. But what the Buccaneers did in this game defensively 
was fantastic. Unbelievable game. What an adjustment. Way to come back from a team that embarrassed you. And then you come in in a meaningful game in the playoffs with the chance to go to the NFC title game on the line. And the Buccaneers defense is the one that shows up. Just an incredible performance. The Buccaneers ended up taking this one 30-20. And the MVP of this game for me it wasn't Tom Brady. It wasn't Ronald Jones. It was on defense and he didn't even play in the Washington game. Devin White, rookie linebacker, was the MVP of this game. He was everywhere. 10 tackles, 1 interception, 1 fumble recovery. Devin White was sensational. Absolutely sensational. He was fantastic all evening long. He was everywhere. And this Buccaneers defense, sticking on the topic of it, held Michael Thomas catchless. I know Michael Thomas was hurt, but it is not easy to keep Michael Thomas catchless. What a game. What a job. Tom Brady didn't even need to do that much. 199 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Brady's Brady. And if your defense is going to get four takeaways and your running game is doing as good as the Buccaneers were able to run the football and you have Tom Brady at quarterback, yeah, there's a really good chance that you're not losing that football game. As for Drew Brees, man, if this is it for Drew Brees, that's a tough way to go out. Three interceptions, one touchdown, 19-34. It was, it was a tough day. And Brees just... He just didn't look right. He didn't even attempt to pass over 20 yards. That's not the Drew Brees that we know. Jameis Winston had the longest play of the day for for the Saints. 56-yard touchdown pass against his old team. Alvin Kamara did his thing. 18 carries, 85 yards, but nothing crazy. But the Buccaneers are moving on to their first NFC Championship game since 2002 when they won the Super Bowl. And the Buccaneers are moving on. First time in a really long time. And with that loss for the Saints, that may have ended an era of what could have been. Four years of what could have been phenomenal regular seasons and just heartbreak city in the postseason for the New Orleans Saints. And, you know, I I know this game was about Drew Brees and, you know, I'll I'll give my, my moment here to Drew Brees. If this is it, what an incredible career. I mean, if anyone deserved two Super Bowls, he does, you know, it was them that deserved it. But the Saints just did not... They just didn't play good. They didn't look like their normal selves. And ironically, it's the same way that I felt about the the Saints back in 2018. I know everyone goes back to the, the pass interference call. And as it should, it should have been called, no question. But the Saints weren't good. Like they, like, they weren't playing as good of football in that game. Drew Brees didn't look the same at the end of 2018. At least that's when I realized it. I don't know about anyone else, but I personally realized Brees did not look the same at the end of 2018. And I was like, the Saints don't look the same. And then last year, they still had an amazing 2019. Lost in the playoffs. This year, another outstanding regular season. But the problem here is Brees has gotten hurt this season and last season. I just I think it's best for the Saints to move on at this point. I think Drew Brees had an absolutely incredible career, Hall of Famer, no question. He deserved two Super Bowls, but you know sometimes it is what it is. And he made the playoffs nine times. They made it to the conference championship game three times, weren't able to convert there. But what an amazing career for Drew Brees! Leader in career passing yards, leader in touchdown passes, leader in completions. He holds the NFL record in all three categories. Incredible. He was personally one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. Every time I turn on the TV and it'd be the Saints playing, it would just be an entertaining football game. Drew Brees was amazing. When he had the arm that he did, oh my God, the guy was throwing for over 400 yards a, a game. 
He's not the same anymore. It was tough to watch, but it is what it is. If this is it for Drew Brees, what an absolutely unbelievable career. Very unfortunate that the Saints weren't able to get to the Super Bowl in any of these last four years. But I know everyone's talking about Drew Brees in this game, but this is where I'm going to turn the tides and just take a minute to just talk about Tom Brady. I know everybody hates him. Yes, it's annoying seeing him win so much as he does. Yes, it was annoying when the New England Patriots would win Super Bowl after Super Bowl for the past two decades. I never personally hated the Patriots. Did I find it annoying? Yeah, same way that I find annoying that I find the Chiefs annoying currently. But I never hated Tom Brady. This this guy is so so good. And what I am witnessing this season and because it's so different to see him in a different team, a different conference, a different uniform and all that, I think it really gives you a different perspective on appreciating the kind of player that Tom Brady is. When he's with the New England, you're like, ah, the Patriots, the same old Patriots and whatever, and Tom Brady, I'm sick of seeing them winning or whatever. I swear to God, I don't think a lot of people fully appreciated what Tom Brady was able to do in New England. It was incredible. Patriots fans, I can tell you, they appreciated it. But everyone else, all the other football fans that just don't like Tom Brady and whatever. Patriot fans, I know they do. I know they really do. But everyone else, I I just don't think they fully appreciated what Tom Brady was able to do. And if you're not sitting here today and looking at Tom Brady and saying, I don't appreciate what this guy's able to do, I don't know what the hell you're doing. There was something that hit me at the end of that Saints game where I was just flat out speechless. There was something that just hit me and I'm like, is Tom Brady really doing this right now? Is he really doing this right now? Like I just, I asked my, I asked that to myself. I'm like, are you serious right now? Is Tom Brady really at 43 years old about to take a team that hasn't been this deep into the playoffs since 2002 Back to the Super Bowl. He is one win away from taking a team that hasn't went that hasn't been this deep in the playoffs since 18 years ago. Not only is he doing just that, Tom Brady has never been a wild card. He was a wild card this year. He's never been on another team other than the Patriots. He's in another he's playing for another team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's in another conference for the first time in his career. And mind you, to cap it all off. Nobody in NFL history, no team has ever played a home game in the Super Bowl. This year, the Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay. And the Buccaneers have a shot at doing that if they can knock off Green Bay on Sunday. Minnesota almost did it two years ago. They almost did it against the Eagles, but they got killed. But that was with Case Keenum at quarterback. Case Keenum is not Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a different breed. I don't know what it is. I just I just cannot believe my eyes what I'm witnessing, what this guy is doing. And what the Buccaneers did on Sunday, a team that kicked their ass twice this year. Part of me said at the beginning of the game, I was rooting for the Saints. I thought the Saints were going to win. But there was a part of me that said, there's no way in hell Tom Brady loses to a team three times in a row, right? There's... There's there's no way. Tom Brady doesn't lose. Tom Brady does not get dominated by anybody. 
Sure enough, they get dominated in the regular season. But when it comes in the playoffs, sure enough, it was inevitable that they would have met in the playoffs. And Tom Brady gets the job done in the playoffs when it matters. Not the regular season. January is when it matters. And Tom Brady continues to own the hell out of January. And he's not even done yet. He is has full plans to return at 44 years old. Like, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Tom Brady simply just sat there and said, hmm, I'm done in New England. I've dominated the AFC enough. I've made Dolphins, Bills, and Jets fans miserable for the last two decades. Let's, let's try something new. Oh, I've got an idea. Let's go to the NFC and let's play for a team that has the longest active playoff drought in the NFC. Let's go there. Oh, even better. The Super Bowl's in Tampa Bay. Let's do that too. Let's take a team to the Super Bowl that's never been done before. I'm going to do that too. Tom Brady's incredible. This is the Michael Jordan of this era that we are witnessing right now. He simply has, even if even if the Buccaneers lose on Sunday to Green Bay and they don't make it to the Super Bowl, I would still say that is simply amazing what he did. Aaron Rodgers has ruled the NFC. And fair enough, Tom Brady, to get to the Super Bowl, you got to get through the guy that has been the best quarterback in the NFC for the last decade. It's been Aaron Rodgers. But Russell Wilson who has made the playoffs 8 out of 9 years for Seattle, has made the Super Bowl once. The Rams have been there 3 out of the last 4 years. The Saints have been there every year. The Buccaneers are lucky they didn't have to deal with my Niners this year. But the the fact that Tom Brady just just waltzed into the NFC with Russell Wilson and Jared Goff and Kyler Murray and, and Dak Prescott and Matt Ryan and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers... He just waltzed into the NFC and he just danced his way to the to the NFC title game like it was nothing. Unbelievable stuff. But there's my thing on Tom Brady. I just want to give the credit where it's due. This guy is unbelievable. The best of the best. Best of all time. Win or lose on Sunday. I honestly don't care. But it's just so fitting that to get there, he's got to play Aaron Rodgers. And that is the perfect segue to the next segment to Championship Sunday. So that segued perfectly into Championship Sunday after talking about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. But before we get into the Buccaneers-Packers game in the NFC, and then we'll get to the Bills-Chiefs game after that, let's just talk about these four teams. So, Championship Sunday, 2021, the 2020-2021 season. Here we go. Two of these teams going to be going to the Super Bowl. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers making their first conference title appearance since 2002. 18 years coming. Congratulations to the Buccaneers. The Buffalo Bills. The Bills want to make you shout because they're definitely making you shout right now over in Buffalo, New York. Making their first conference title appearance since 1993 before Josh Allen was born. The Bills are back in a conference title game for the first time in 26 years. Unbelievable stuff there. And now you got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers who are making their first conference title appearance since last year. So, here we go, NFC Championship game, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, The it's the Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl that we've always wanted, cannot wait for this one, it's the second meeting of the year, the Buccaneers dominated Green Bay back in Tampa earlier this year, 38-10, to what a game this is going to be, this is going to be a whole different ball game as we saw last week, the regular season does matter, but it doesn't matter that much, it's a whole new game, whole new time, so much on the line, 
We all know it's the first time Aaron Rodgers will be playing an NFC Championship game at home. How will that play a factor in this game? Tom Brady's no, he's no stranger to the cold weather. I don't think it will matter to them very much. But the matchup that I got in this game, Devontae Adams was talking all that smack against Jalen Ramsey at the end of that game. saying, like, oh, I'm a different breed and all that. This Buccaneers defense put the clamps down on Michael Thomas in that game. That's going to be a phenomenal matchup, whether it's Murphy Bunting or Antoine Winfield, Carlton Davis, whoever the heck it is, going one-on-one with Devontae Adams is going to be a phenomenal matchup. The Bucs did such a sensational job taking away the Saints passing game. The Packers have the number one offense in all of football. This is going to be a sensational matchup to see that happen there, but... Whoever runs the ball better in this game, the Packers ran the ball so, so, so well last weekend against the Rams. The Buccaneers ran the ball very, very well against the LA Rams. This is going to be a thing. Who could run the football better and which defense steps up and makes the first play? Who makes the bigger impact? Because both defenses made an impact. The Buccaneers defense made a lot of noise in their game. They're going to need to do it again because Aaron Rodgers is just unstoppable right now what he's doing. But... This game ultimately comes down to the two greats. Who needs this game more for their legacy? I mean, it's it, it, this is as great as it gets, right? We've always wanted Brady and Rodgers in the Super Bowl. So we may, we're, we may never get that, but we're going to get Brady and Rodgers for the right to go to the Super Bowl. Doesn't get any better than that. Brady wins this game. He's undoubtedly the best of all time. Like I just said in the previous segment, I still think regardless, he's the greatest of all time for what he's done with Tampa Bay this season. But... I mean, Brady wins this, doing all the things that I talked about earlier, just defying the odds again at 43. It's, I mean, it's it's not a conversation anymore. Anyone who wants to still have a conversation is either just doing it to, to, to make themselves sound like they're stupid to get good ratings and make good content because it's great content. But at the same time, you're just making yourself look stupid because Tom Brady has done everything right. But Aaron Rodgers... Aaron Rodgers, like I said in the last segment, this is the Tom Brady has dominated the AFC for majority of his for not majority for all of his career. Aaron Rodgers has been the best quarterback in the NFC in the past decade. It's not even a question. Russell Wilson's been amazing. Drew Brees has been fantastic, but what Aaron Rodgers has done has been just absolutely unbelievable what he's been able to do. Some of the plays that he's made are historic. Aaron Rodgers needs this win more than anyone. Tom Brady's already done it. He's done it six times. Aaron Rodgers has only done it once. He has got to get there again to try and cement his... His name will always be there. He's already a Hall of Famer. But Aaron Rodgers makes it back to the Super Bowl and wins it. He will most certainly go down as one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game in the NFL. My pick in this game, oh man, this is going to be a tough one. How do you go against Tom Brady in in the in the in January in the playoffs with this is his time. He's owned these games. But man, Aaron Rodgers lost against Seattle NFC Championship game. He lost against Atlanta. He lost against San Francisco. All three of those games were on the road. Not this time. Not today. I'm taking Aaron Rodgers, taking the Packers 27-24. Aaron Rodgers gets to the Super Bowl. It's going to be an absolutely amazing game. Relish it. Cherish it. Two of the best of all time going at it for the right to go to the Super Bowl. Truly doesn't get any better than that. Can't wait. 305 on Fox on Sunday. Going to be awesome. 
to the other game. So you got the two old guys in the first game. And now you got Mahomes and Josh Allen who are probably going to be doing this and meeting in the playoffs for the next 10 years. The good news is we didn't have to wait very long. We had to wait 11 years to to see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady play off in a playoff game. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, it only took just a few seasons in, into their careers. But what a game this is going to be. They also met earlier in the season back on week six. The Chiefs won 26-17. The Bills have only lost one other game other than that all season long. This is going to be a great game. An absolutely great game. We saw what the Bills defense did to Baltimore's offense. The difference is, I talked about this earlier and how Baltimore is very one-dimensional. Kansas City is not one-dimensional. You have to be ready for the run. You have to be ready for the pass. You have to be ready for Mahomes running. You have to be ready for anything. I trust Sean McDermott. I trust Leslie Frazier. They're an unbelievable defensive minds. They know Andy Reid. It's going to be a great matchup. But the matchup here is, can the Kansas City Chiefs defense shut down Stephon Diggs? And can they get to Josh Allen? Because Josh Allen can run. That's going to be the thing. Because Allen and Diggs have... They've, they've dominated the first two playoff games. This is going to be huge. They're on the road. The Bills have been at home, comfortable with the disgusting Buffalo weather. The Bills have felt comfortable. Now you got to go to Kansas City, and you got to be uncomfortable. The Bills didn't want to go to the ground game. I don't know what the hell Brian Dable was thinking in that first half with doing what, two, three run plays. To beat the Kansas City Chiefs, you're going to need to run the football plain and simple. You can't just throw, throw, throw. It's not going to work. Beat the Chiefs, got to play good complimentary football. And last but not least, if the I cannot express this enough. If the Buffalo Bills want to get on that plane to Tampa Bay on February 7th and play in Super Bowl 55, you have to be aggressive. If the Bills do not be aggressive, and I know Sean McDermott, and he's aggressive. If the Bills are not aggressive, they are going on a one-way flight back to Western New York. Well, they're going to be going back to Western New York before they go to Tampa Bay anyways. But you know what I'm getting at. They're, get, they're going home, and they're not going to the Super Bowl if they're not aggressive. You are going to Kansas City to take on the defending champs. Take advantage of every opportunity. And Brian Dable's got to be aggressive too in his play calling. That's it's it. Buffalo needs to go there to win. If you were there to win, don't play there. Don't be like Cleveland and punt on a fourth and nine when you have the game on the line with one timeout. Don't do that. Be aggressive. Play to win the football game. The Chiefs, I'm not even going to talk about much about them because they just do everything so good at such a high level. And I cannot wait to see the matchup between Kelsey and Hill and Hardman and all those Chiefs threats going up against that ridiculous ridiculously good Buffalo secondary. It's going to be a phenomenal matchup to see how Leslie Frazier matches up against Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. Oh, phenomenal matchup in this one. I am rooting for the Bills the whole way. I want Buffalo to win this. Buffalo needs to win this. They got to get there. But I, 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 I got to pick the Chiefs 23-20 in this one. It's, you know, they're just so good. And it's on the road. And I just... I'm tempted to pick the Chiefs. I do not want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I don't. I would rather not see them win two Super Bowls in a row. It's just it's just boring that way. Otherwise, you would have had Aaron Rodgers win his second Super Bowl. Amazing. Tom Brady make history. Amazing. Or the Buffalo Bills winning their first Super Bowl ever. Absolutely amazing. Celebration time. Party. Good luck trying to stop that Super Bowl parade. But I just... 
the Chiefs are just so good at what they do. And I think the Bills win this game. Like I said, similar to how they do it with Baltimore. Defense and be aggressive on offense. Run game, be aggressive, play to win the game. And I don't see how the Buffalo Bills can't come out here with a win. They absolutely can. That's why I have the game at 22-20. But the Bills run the football. Try to put the ball in the hands of Stephon Diggs. Let Josh Allen do what he does. Be aggressive. Play to win the game. It's going to be a phenomenal game. Kansas City-Buffalo, 640 on CBS Sunday night. Cannot wait. Unbelievable game. Championship Sunday, one of my favorite days personally of the NFL playoffs. You got back-to-back championship games. Two trophy presentations. You know, then you start thinking about the Super Bowl matchup and all that. It's a great day. Unbelievable day. One of my favorites. Cannot wait for this one. Buccaneers, Packers, Bills, Chiefs, Championship Sunday. It's going to be great. Going to be a good one. And last but not least, we will crown the winners that you guys got to vote on for the 49-way playoff divisional round winners. And we'll start with the divisional MVP. The candidates were Todd Bowles. Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, and Aaron Rodgers. The winner that you guys voted on was Aaron Rodgers. I talked about him enough on this episode. The The level that he's playing at is such an incredibly high level. Arguably some of the best ball he's played his entire career. He is the divisional MVP as he deserves. The divisional biggest disappointment was the Saints turning the ball over four times. The other candidates were the Browns punting on fourth and nine. Rams defense, Ravens offense. But I agree, this was a huge disappointment. The Saints turning the ball over four times just can't happen in a game that they really needed. And and when the Bucks D's playing so good and you got Tom Brady, you don't, you know, don't turn the ball over and then you got Tom Brady on the other side. You know it's gonna be hard to win games. That was a really big disappointment by Drew Brees and the Saints, hundred percent. Divisional unsung hero. I thought all of these were unsung heroes. Chad Henney, Devin White, Taron Johnson, and the Packers running backs. I thought all four of these were unsung heroes. Chad Henney, absolutely amazing play. Play of his life, play of his career. Devin White was sensational. Taron Johnson made the game-changing play of that game. And the Packers running game was fantastic. The winners that you guys voted on was actually a tie between the Packers running backs and Devin White. I'm going to say all four unsung hero of the weekend, but I'm going to say Devin White. Devin White single-handedly dominated that game. The stats that he did, 10 tackles, had a pick, fumble recovery. Devin White was fantastic. He's the divisional unsung hero. And last but not least, the divisional game-changing play of the weekend, it was between Breeze's fourth quarter interception and Lamar's pick six. Lamar's pick six. You guys voted on that one. I completely agree with that. Lamar's pick six, that's a, it, it was a tough one. I mean, it was a game-changing play. The Bravens go when they score. It's a it's a different ball game. But that's not what happened. Tough one there it is what it is. Ravens end up losing that ball game. So that's it for the divisional round, 49er way playoff awards. So that is it for this week's episode of the 49er way podcast. Hope everyone has a great week. Championship Sunday coming up on Sunday. Who is going to be the Super Bowl matchup? Is it going to be the Chiefs repeating as AFC champions and going back to the Super Bowl? Will the Buffalo Bills make it for the first time since 1994? Will Tom Brady make history and be the first and lead the Buccaneers to be the first ever team to host a Super Bowl and be the first ever team to play in their home stadium in the Super Bowl or will Aaron Rodgers that bad man take care of business as the pretty much going to be the MVP 
Will it be Rodgers and the Packers playing for the Super Bowl for a chance to bring Vince Lombardi back home to Green Bay? Once again, don't forget to give the 49 away a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. And we will see you next week where we will preview Super Bowl 55 and recap Championship Sunday. Thank you.